You're listening to The Investor Circle, a new podcast series designed to help founders of early stage startups raise their first funds. We'll reveal how new investors should think and make decisions through interviews and insights with successful investors from around the globe. We'll also divulge the who, what, where, why, and how of raising funding within the investor community. So, if you're ready to learn, then here's your host, entrepreneur and advisor, Stuart Noakes. All right, and welcome to the second edition of the Investor Circle uh, interviews. Wonderful to have you here. And, uh, you know, this is Mohammed. Uh, we met first in Web Summit. I can't believe uh, that November was such a long time ago already. Uh, you're here from R&D Ventures and Labs. So please tell us who you are. Tell us about the thesis of what you're working on. And let's, uh, let's go. Um, so my name is Mohammed Arasmi, um, founder and CEO of, uh, of R&D Ventures and Labs. Um, it's a company that's been around for about 20 years, um, and we've been going through so many different pivots over the years. Um, my last stint was uh, a managing director at the Mount Technology Fund, where we invested in startups uh, from pre-seed all the way to growth. Obviously, the terminology changed from the geography and the time, what have you. But the, the idea is to, we're simply agnostic and and following uh, and looking at basically what I've been doing the past six years. Um, the idea is to continue doing that and investing in startups, uh, ideally in the region, uh, because I've, got, I've gotten very good uh, deal flow through that. And I've, uh, I've been able to work with a lot of founders from this space um, or this geography. And uh, sector agnostic, and the rationale behind that is that I want to increase the, the top of the funnel. Um, and I concentrate more on the founders than the actual the ideas that they work on. Um, uh, and so because of that, I'm looking at uh, long term instead of short term. So that's in a very in short uh, uh, description of what I'm trying to do over the next. Hopefully, my I know you've said to me before you you like to think of founders like real people. You know, you treat them with a great deal of respect. How, how do you frame that nowadays with the new venture? Um, so I'm in Oman, uh, where I'm based. Um, mo- uh, or hopefully, most of them think of me as a godfather of startups. And the, the idea behind it is being able to guide them because running a startup is very very painful um and to uh, and you know from from everything from you know trying to launch a product trying to figure out the space you're in um being in a very let's say in a month itself is a very small market so trying to figure out what to do i have to expand or grow outside the country um but also um when i when i work with founders the idea behind it is like Actually, I'm not interested in their first venture. I'm not interested in the second venture. I'm interested in, in their third. So I'm always looking at if would I would I be willing to work with this person over the next say 10, 20, uh, 20 years? Then I would like to engage with them, regardless if investment is made or not. Because there's some that some founders I've actually worked with that I have not invested in, but I like the fact that they what they're doing. Um, I think money should not be the Let's say the the, uh, the reason you engage with someone it could be from other many other reasons and and I think you know I'm basically I don't, I don't know if it's, if it's healthy or not but my founders call me all times of day even midnight past midnight you know they're they're stuck with something they know they can get access to me um, and because of that I think I've built a decent relationship with them um, and it's good from uh, from pretty much all over MENA region from Pakistan all the way to Tunisia. We have founders all over this, the, 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 the space and working in so many different uh, uh, sectors as well, which is also interesting for me. 
Um, my background is mechanical engineering. Um, and, and so you're a geek. I am a geek and I've been coding for, I'd love to reveal my age, uh, for the past, wow, 37, yeah, 37 years. Uh, it's so, not yeah. possible, man. It's not possible. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah, and I love coding. I love the problem solving. I love the fact, you know, and uh, mechanical engineering is something that's, uh, I like to say, is, uh, is the, the, the godfather of uh, all engineering and where problem solving is the essence of it. And uh, and it just makes life easier. And and because before I started um, with the Mount Cloud Fund, I had run my own uh, um, consulting firm where we did online services. And basically, right. the, the thesis behind that is open up to anyone. And uh, so I have very small clients, like you know, one or two people, to very large multinational companies. And it gave me the ability to work with some on so many different projects. That when when I started with the Mount Cloud Fund, it allowed me to very quickly and so easily be able to support the, the founders, assess very quickly, and then say, okay, th there's something here. Okay, how can we help? And uh, and uh, and then obviously it's not just me, but the mentors that I worked with uh, over the past six years has has helped a lot as well. So I think I think when we spoke before, you you mentioned that the the fund had put together maybe about two hundred investments nearly across the seed and the sort of more growth stage. What what are your numbers at this point? Um, so, uh, Amount of Fund invested in um, about almost 160, yeah, 163 startups. Uh, with some of them, we've doubled down. It's more than uh, 200 uh, plus investments. I think amazing. Almost 250, if I'm mistaken. And some of them we've you know done second and third uh, follow-ons. Um, uh, sector agnostic, um, like uh, from pre-seed to, to, to growth, um, from uh, the areas uh, like. Uh, from B2B enterprise to uh, electric cars, to um, uh, wedding platforms, to um, uh, drones, uh, drone manufacturing, um, to like the, everything under the sun. And for me, that was amazing because it, allowed to, uh, it gave the geek in me uh, the ability to work with so many different founders. So, And is that a key me, criteria on, on the selection process that they need to be geeky enough? Or you know, how, do you, how do you screen people? <laughs> so, I, uh, okay. A coachability is very, very important for me. Uh, and the, and the, <laughs> uh, the reason for that is because I have limited time. Um, and uh, because of that, uh, obviously running a startup, there's, there isn't one way. If there is if there's a, a clear way to run a startup and it's very clearly, if you follow this way, you'll end up being a unicorn, then everyone would have already done it. And because of that, there's so many different paths and so many uh, um, um, pivots that someone needs to do. And sometimes... There's some of it's gut, some of it is the gut feeling, some of it is, has to do with um, the space that people, the person is in. Um, so coachability is someone, uh, someone that is willing to listen, not necessarily accept. Uh, just to clarify, uh, they don't need necessarily accept what I'm saying, but at least assess and then based on that, you know, and make an informed decision. Um, and 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 uh, by the way, one of the main reasons uh, um, I think we're successful is because I have mentors in our network that give founders. Um, basically so many different um, uh, point of views that are completely opposite and both make um, and most of the time they all make sense and as founders you need to make a, a decision which one will, which one should we follow which one we are comfortable with and uh, you know basically and uh, be responsible for the decision they make so coachability is not necessarily you know following orders it's more of are you willing to listen and are you willing to take the time to try something out and if it does make sense then follow it um, so uh, that's one. The second is, uh, are they willing to 
and this is where it gets a bit tricky because um, when you're in a place where you have a decent job, it's like, uh, so I, I sometimes I do talk to founders like, do you really want to do this? Because it's not easy. And if you have a cushy job and you have a family and you have everything in place, why would you go and start a startup? It's, uh, <laughs> it's an unreasonable act, right? It's so full of uncertainty. Um, so, so, so what I try to do is like try to get them onto. We use different tools, and one of the tools I always like is um, by Ash Moira, uh, Lean Stack. Um, so we subscribe to that uh, platform. So I get I get them access to that. They start doing a few uh, calculations and you know build up their Lean Canvas. And then after that, it's like, okay, if you're willing to do this, then I can I can have other uh, follow up uh, calls with them. And based on that, uh, can assess: Are you sure you want to take this trip? If you are, okay, let's go together. So that's for that's one in one instant. Another instant where we kind of um, Assess is, uh, is where we all have a call for applications, people that apply, and then we run an actual virtual uh, bootcamp where we um, uh, have mentors come on and uh, run a series of workshops over the weekend. And the whole purpose of this is to get them to understand how to pitch to us. And the rationale behind that is because sometimes, and I've, I've, this is from my experience, like you find founders are very good. They know, they haven't, they know, they're, they know what they're trying to do and there's actual genuine problem they're trying to solve, but the issues is they're not able to articulate that. And and the, the purpose of these workshops is to get, to get them to understand how to size the market and how to pitch. These are the two main uh, areas that they that we want them to understand better. And then when they actually pitch, um, we get them to record, we get them to go through a series of, uh, say, gates. And if the person is willing to go through all that pain, um, then we then we take the next step where we actually uh, assess them further, and then if we make a decision, okay, we want to go further, then we then we actually run a series of one to one sessions with uh, me personally, and then with the with depending on the the time, it could be with six other mentors, where we, the, the, there are three uh, three yeah three questions: uh, Should we invest? Um, uh, if we are to invest, what are the next steps, and are there any red flags? Because you can make a decision that you invest, but then there is a red flag. It could be, you know, the the cap table is not really um, um, uh, done right, or there's something wrong with it that we need to assess. And so, we from that from day one, we try to figure out a solution for that, or some other reason. Um, or it could be that the person is good, but the red flag is that the, they're not ready yet to jump and start working on this. So we will say, okay, we're not coming now. We'll come in later on. Um, and then, you know, next actions. Uh, what, what should we do with with, uh, with them to help them to get to know um, to next steps? So startups go through a series of iterations. Customer problem fit is there a large enough problem? Oh, sorry, large enough customer base that are facing a certain problem? Okay, that's good. Next step is problem solution fit. They'll go through a series of um, um, as, uh, solutions that they will present to these. Uh, um, customer base and see would they actually accept this, this solution? Will they pay for it? If they, then hopefully they reach product market fit. But the idea is that it could be that the, there's a series of iterations that you go through in the problem solution fit because your solution number one might not work and then you try number two, number three. Again, building a solution is not the, the idea is actually presenting a solution, a potential solution without building it yet. So the idea usually the, the old methodology is to build, demo, and sell. And the idea is to actually demo sell and then build, which is a bit contradictory to a lot of people's like, wait, how do I sell something <laughs> and, and how can I do demo something that I have? So that, that's where we try to see, that's where coachability comes into play. Uh, are they willing to take that? Because investments, yeah, most of the time at the pre stage, you get a small amount of money, not a lot of money. 
and you're supposed to validate something. If, if you're not able to validate, I mean, you spend all that money in, in, in developing a solution that mo- most probably will end up getting tossed away, then you've, you've, built, you've burnt a potential opportunity that you can engage with investors in the future. So where, where do you stand on things like solo founders versus teams? What do you look for there? Uh, that's a very good question. So we've, so um, out of, so I'm responsible at the moment for 90 startups. Um, out of them, the majority are are a group of founders, and then we have some of their solo founders. Um, solo founders uh, depends on their coachability, uh, because at the end of the day, what happens is that they'll get bombarded with so many different um, uh, like um, advice from so many different people. If they're willing to to listen and they're willing to actually um, um, uh, what's it called, uh, uh, be able to to have a discussion. Then I think they're fine. But then, if you have a solo founder that is very stubborn, then that doesn't work. Having said that, um, uh, obviously, this is where it gets. A, uh, this is the thing I like about um, creating a community behind um, uh, when you're running a, a fund and running a station programs, what have you. Um, is actually getting as many people as possible to kind of interact with each other. Because even if you're a solo founder and you interact with other with other founders, and it doesn't feel as lonely as uh, as it would seem if you're doing it by yourself. So sometimes that's one of the, the perks of being part of uh, um, uh, a fund, part of your accelerator program. Um, actually, accelerator program causes that interaction. Uh, usually funds in general might not always create these opportunities for people to interact. That's where accelerator programs can, can come into play and actually, and people should actually assess is there value in it or not. Um, unfortunately, a lot of accelerator programs do end up being a show more than anything else. And so, uh, personally, I don't believe in the time-bound extension program. So, uh, when COVID hit, I changed things around where I, I've opened up our extension programs to everyone. So we, so it doesn't matter which cohort you were part of. Previously, we we're doing card basis. That okay. was all, and that actually allowed a lot of uh, founders to accelerate much, much faster. Because founders would know I don't only have the mentors for three months; I actually have them more or less forever, and that allowed them to take more risk. Um, and be able to actually uh, be be able to move at a faster pace. So it doesn't matter if it's solo or group. Uh, for me personally, it doesn't matter um, if because it doesn't matter because there is a group behind it. Um, but if you're if uh, if I do just direct uh, take invest uh, just put in money, that's it. Uh, then I would not invest in fa- single founders because then they they will not have the support system to be able to to succeed. Amazing, amazing. All, all your talk about coachability has reminded me of that very old joke, which is a, a proper dad joke, as uh, as my kids would say. So uh, it's how many psychiatrists does it take to change a light bulb? And the answer yeah. is one, but the light bulb has to want to change, right? So yeah. it's kind of a silly thing, but it's a really, it's really important part of what we do for coaching in Canopy as well, which is when you meet somebody who says they need help, if you feel like you, they're going to actually take it on board then you spend time with them but if you feel like there's a barrier to the listening part of that and they're not even going to think about what you say then you know it's pretty pointless even trying to coach them or to to help them so super interesting you got that reflection and just as we finish off really i guess the the most important question i should ask you is if somebody's watching this and they're about to raise money for the first time with all your experience like what's your best advice for them what's the sort of first thing or the best thing they could be doing um, so if you're raising money and it's the first time, do your homework. Uh, one of the worst things that you can do is you can the way you approach the VCs. So a lot of VCs are busy and they get bombarded with so many different deal uh, basically and uh, pitches and what have you. So you need to do your homework properly. And 
and and the good thing is that there's a lot of information available online already. And, and look at the type of startups that they actually invest in. Um, if you just bombard and spray and pray, and then hopefully something you you hope that something comes out of it, the likelihood you succeed is very low. Uh, but if you actually do your homework, um, uh, do understand what stage they invest in, because also that's another issue. Uh, sometimes founders will reach out to me, and they either so I would invest in, in early stage pre-seed, and so and so founder comes to me and they're trying to raise you know uh, ten million. It's like um, I'm, not, I'm I'm the wrong stage for you. Um, and same, the opposite is true as well. So if you go to someone that only would invest, you know, their minimum ticket size is ten million, and you're you're trying to raise, you know, hundred k or two hundred, whatever it may be, much less than that, you've kind of burnt a bridge with potential bridge in the future. Um, so another way to kind of do this is like um, usually, if you're raising a million, you obviously we're not going and speak to someone that that you know initial ticket is only ten million. But let's say you you would talk to other investors, like understand the stage they're in. Uh, what are the requirements? So do a bit of fact finding, but then again, remember they're busy. Um, so a lot of this information is already available online. You can look at TechCrunch, you can look at Crunchbase, you look at LinkedIn, uh, look at the other startups that they invest in. There's a lot of press releases. Uh, use uh, you know all the different AI tools right now that are available that can help you and unearth uh, the data that might be a bit difficult for you to find. Um, and then see uh, is, uh, would they would fit their thesis or not. Um, understand how their decision-making process as well. Sometimes it's, a, it's not easy; it's a bit difficult. So maybe you look at the junior analysts in the in the firm itself and try to you know try, try to you know buy them coffee or what have you if you can, and try to understand the decision-making process. Is it um, is it do they have investment committees? Do they as a unanimously the decision is that everyone needs the partners need to agree to, or is it just uh, a single champion that that would actually um, uh, say I would like to do this deal, and then everyone else would say okay. Um, so that has a big impact on the decision-making process. Look at, um, uh, I would personally, like if you're starting out, so you're, let's say, pre-seed, look at the different uh, programs, acceleration programs. Not necessarily to enter them, but actually going through the process of applying because you will get um, uh, torn, basically torn apart by if you end up getting to different stages where they will bombard you with so many different questions to understand are you right for them or not. This in itself, the journey itself, and um, will allow you to understand the, the benefit of the, the, the type of questions they get asked. Sometimes you get asked questions that you're not, you're not really sure how to answer them. And so you need to be able to be ready for answering questions that you don't know how to answer to in a way that gives confidence to uh, the, the investors. I always tell to, to, to found this, this um, I like this, uh, this thing where you're not selling fish in the sea, you're selling the idea that there might be fish in the sea. Okay, so there might be fish. There might be fish. So the, okay. you need to get to that level. You're not selling because if there is fish in the sea, then it's, it's somewhat of an easy sell. But you need to go to one level further, which is actually selling the idea that there actually might be fish in the sea. So how can you convince someone? Because that's that's what VC is. And you're selling a future, and the future you don't know what the future will hold. And a lot of them need to understand: um, uh, Are you able? Are you the right bet? Because basically, it is a betting. Um, they are you right back for them? Um, also, uh, a lot of founders think of competition as something bad, but actually, competition is very, very good, especially in the VC space. They like to compare. They like to see what others have done and potential exits as well. Um, if you seek investment from VCs, remember at the end of the day, there will be an exit, and and because of that, don't don't go to a VC expecting them to give you money and then be then the, that's it. No, they they want you to reach 
a level of uh, increase in valuation so they they end up exiting or the company either gets acquired or you hopefully get IPO'd. So there is an exit um, um, strategy that needs to be in place and needs to be clear to, to the investors. The more you do homework for them, the more they will like you and that will actually help them. Now, sometimes you, you might get some investors that say, no, okay, maybe we'll later on. Send them, send them either monthly or quarterly updates. I like monthly updates. It doesn't have to be long. And as far as templates for monthly updates, there's so many available online. So do that. It does help uh, potential investors and keep in touch with them. Um, uh, and even, and again, never go to an investor when you're, you're out of money. I, usually, you know, <laughs> it's, it's a difficult conversation, money. right? <laughs> yeah. And the, and the likelihood they will invest if you run out of money is it, it, you need to have something really. Uh, substantial for them to actually invest, but the likelihood is very low. Or if they invest, then you'll like, be taken advantage of. So again, investors, that, oh, by the way, investors, actually they need to show their investors returns on their investment. So again, are you the right bets? The more homework you do, and, and the good thing is, and that sometimes it surprises me, a lot of people don't, don't do homework. It's, it's very easy. And now with all the tools available to you right now, you, you can get, you can capture all this information uh, very quickly. And because uh, some, some think that's a, it's a waste of time, but actually it's not. Now, venture capital is not meant for everyone. So also realize, are you the right fit for it or not? Because if you take, the moment you take money from VCs, that's the beginning of the end. Okay, because at the end there will end up being an exit. So hopefully it's a positive exit, not a negative one. But there will—it's the beginning of an end. Are you ready for that journey, or you're not? Uh, and so there's a lot of literature outside. You can you can read a lot about this um, process. So I think you should do a bit of homework. And the, and the thing is, it's not a lot of work to understand this. This uh, the, the let's say the the process. Just if you just spend it like. Personally, I think spend a couple of days, you will learn a lot that will have, help you make an informed decision. Amazing, amazing insights. Thank you so much for sharing with us today. I'm, I'm really sorry I've, you've overrun on time and uh, I know you've got another meeting to go to and I promised I would stick tightly to time, so I do apologize for that. But thank you so much for sharing with the community those kind of insights. That's absolutely wonderful for this series. It's exactly what we'd hoped for, to, to really share uh, the mechanisms and but also the personalities and the way that investors think and it's been fantastic today thank you so much looking mm-hmm. forward to seeing you in november at web summit and uh of course we're going to do the investor reverse pitches and stuff there as well so yeah it'd be great to see you again thank you thank you very much for having thanks me. for being here today Bye-bye. thanks for listening to the investor circle we hope you learned something today If you'd like more information or want to book a call in discussion, you can reach Stuart at linktree forward slash canopy underscore in residence or on Twitter at Vision for 2020. Be sure to tune in next time for more valuable investor tips and please tell a friend.